0: Welcome to No Ad, No Problem, a podcast devoted to college tennis and growing the game. Select episodes will be featured on the Great Shot podcast feed, but make sure you also subscribe to No Ad, No Problem on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Twitter at jtweetstennis and Instagram at noadnoproblem. I'm your host, John. Let's serve it up. Hey everyone, we're back with another episode continuing on last week's theme of doing a roundup of all the stories and results from the college tennis world. I know the fall season can be super chaotic and pretty difficult to follow, so I'm hoping these episodes help you stay up to date with all of the action across the country. And to start, I think the biggest, both literally and figuratively, non-result storyline is the UVA men's tennis team receiving their national championship rings. So the UVA men won the NCAA team title this past May, and this weekend they had their ring ceremony. And if you haven't seen the ring, I would highly recommend you go to the UVA men's Instagram account. I think they probably have posted it to Twitter as well. These rings are massive. I have never seen a national championship ring this big. It really does rival what you see for Super Bowl rings. I mean, it is so big that if you were lucky enough to win another NCAA title, you would not have much room on your finger to fit it. So definitely go take a look at the UVA men's Instagram page. It is gaudy. But it's amazing. It's exciting to see tennis get that sort of recognition, get that sort of love in the form of their ring. And if it inspires other teams across the country to get a similar ring, I'm all for it. Uh, But really wanted to give a shout out to the UVA men. Again, a great season this past year and obviously rewarded this weekend with rings that will certainly make a statement. So for the rest of the episode, we're first going to start on the pro results that we've seen across the country. And then once we talk a little bit about the pro results, uh, we'll move into the collegiate events. So as I mentioned on last week's episode, there were a few different pro tournaments this past week, some on college campuses, some not. And let's first start with the women. So for the women, there were two ITF events this past week. One was a Berkeley 60K, and the second was a 15K in Lubbock hosted by Texas Tech. On the Berkeley side, this was not hosted by Cal Berkeley. Uh, It was at the Berkeley Tennis Club just off the campus of Cal. Uh, And the big storyline here was that the number one ITA newcomer of North Carolina State, Diana Schneider, made the semifinals of the event before losing to WTA number 60, Madison Brengel. Now, being the number one newcomer, having the top 250 WTA ranking that she does, Schneider is no stranger to this level of success at 60K events. She did win a 60K in Istanbul in May. But this was her second uh, semifinal of the year, and with this result, she's now up to about 220 in the WTA live rankings, which, as it stands right now, is good enough to get her into Australian Open qualifying. And if you're wondering, wow, that seems very impressive for a player who is entering college, it absolutely is. Uh, I cannot recall a player who's ever had this level of WTA success prior to entering college or even playing in college. We did see Emma Navarro this past season get her ranking up into the, you know, 250-230 range while still in college, but certainly never a player uh, before they enter uh, college in the last last decade at least. And, you know, I know in tennis we love to do the transitive property, right? If player A beats player B, And player B beats player C, then player A is better than player C. So here's some fun transitive property for you at the Berkeley 60K. Also in the event was Peyton Stearns, the 2022 uh, NCAA singles champion. She made the second round, but lost in straight sets to Kayla Day, who Schneider then beat in the next round, 6-1, 6-2. So there's some transitive property math to kind of get a sense of where Schneider's level is relative to the best in college tennis. It'll be very interesting to see how Schneider balances the fall, whether she does in fact play All-Americans where she is currently in the Uh, Pre qualifying selections. So we'll have to see. I know there are, you know, a ton of other high level ITF events, either the 60K or the 80K, the coming weeks on the women's side. So it'll be very interesting to see how she balances both a uh, pro schedule and also maybe one in college. The second event that I mentioned was a 15K. And if you're wondering, sort of like, what are these? 15k 60k distinctions uh, that's the prize money available for these tournaments and so 15k is the lowest level event that still offers wta or atp points so this was the event hosted by texas tech there was both a men's and women's event here we'll focus first on the women uh, the big standout here was that Carson Branstein of Texas A&M, who is number nine in the ITA preseason rankings, she made the finals. And this was a great result for Carson Branstein. She'd only played one match over the summer, so sort of not clear where her form was coming into the fall, but a really good tournament for her. She ended up losing in the final to 16-year-old and junior Wimbledon champion Liv Havdi who hails from Texas. Looking ahead for the women on the, on the pro side, there are actually three events this week uh, at really all levels. So we have a 15K in Hilton Head, South Carolina. We have a 25K in Austin, Texas, hosted by the University of Texas. And then we have a 60K in Templeton, California. You can pretty much expect to see collegians, you know, sprinkled throughout all of these events, particularly in Austin, well, I assume a lot of the wild cards will go to Texas players. And then obviously there is a lot of talent in the collegiate ranks within Texas, who I'm sure will be uh, entering the main draw or qualifying as well. And so before I move on to the men, I think one thing to add here for the pro events is it's pretty interesting to see now that pretty much all colleges, regardless of Your level, whether you're a top 10 D1 school or maybe in the 40 to 50 range, usually all schools are figuring out a way on how to balance a fall schedule that includes playing both the high level collegiate events and also allowing your players opportunities to play on the ITF Pro Tour. And so you're seeing that become a lot more common for a lot more schools. And it really helps that so many of these events, particularly at the 15 K, the 25 K level are in fact played on college campuses throughout the fall. So really excellent opportunity for both men and women to earn ATP and WTA points, which help them then earn ranking into events, you know, in the summer when they might want to travel a little bit more. So moving on to the men, there were a few more events on the men's side this past week, headlined by the Columbus ATP Challenger. Now, this event was not technically hosted by Ohio State, but it was played in Columbus at a facility just off campus, and it included nine of the 10 Ohio State rostered players. So that was a lot of Buckeyes playing in this event, and you usually see that every year. So... All of the wild cards for this event actually did go to Ohio State players. You saw them both in qualifying and in the main draw and throughout doubles. And the big headliner was that Cannon Kingsley, who split his time last season between number one singles and number two singles, advanced to his first challenger semifinal here in Columbus. And that's a trend that you've seen over the years with this Columbus challenger, whether it's Torpegard or J.J. Wolf you know, making really deep runs at this event. Uh, No different for Cannon Kingsley here, who knocked out his teammate, James Trotter, in the first round and then got two really excellent wins. The first over 2019 NCAA champion and ATP number 206, Paul Jubb. And then in the quarterfinals, he knocked out former Illini and ATP number 138, Alex Vukic, before falling to the eventual champion, Jordan Thompson, of Australia. In addition to Kingsley, you saw he and J.J. Tracy team up in doubles, and the NCAA doubles finalist of Mate Wotzel and Robert Cash, both teams made the doubles semifinal. And although he's not a Buckeye, uh, he's not far in distance, uh, Gabriel Diallo of Kentucky has continued his good run on the challenger Circuit this summer and fall, and he made the quarterfinals. So, really good showing from you know all sorts of collegiate players, both current and past, here uh, at the Columbus Challenger. Next up on the men's side were two ks that we've talked about, both hosted by colleges. The first was the Lubbock fifteen k hosted by Texas Tech. Uh, the takeaway here was Blaze Bicknell of Tennessee made the finals you know Blaze Bicknell transferred f- from Florida to Tennessee after helping Florida win the NCAA team title in 2021 he was ineligible to play for Tennessee this past season played a lot of ITF events uh around you know both the country and also traveling internationally and uh, and didn't have this level of success and so last weekend he played at the Knoxville Showdown got two really good wins there And making the finals here is a really good confidence boost for for Bicknell and a really good opportunity for Tennessee to continue to make progress after losing uh, their number one Adam Walton last season. One thing that I find super ironic about Bicknell's success here is even when he was playing at four for Florida, he was clearly a top 50 player in the country, clearly is still a top 50 player, if not much, much higher. And when you look at the All-American selections list, he is currently second to last in the pre-qualifying alternate singles list. So we're talking about a tournament with hundreds of players, both in main draw, qualifying, pre-qualifying, and Blaise Bicknell is second to last on the pre-qualifying alternate list. So I think we need to do a much better job of finding pathways for you know, either newcomers or players who were ineligible last season to kind of earn a spot into really the largest tournament for the collegiate fall season. One other thing to note uh, while we're talking about Tennessee is, you know, Johannes Monday uh, of Tennessee has taken the fall off. He's not on the um, preseason rankings. However, he still is on the Tennessee roster He's actually playing some ITF events in Sweden, both last week and this upcoming week. And that's typically unusual for a player who's taking the fall off. Typically, when they take the fall off, they will, you know, maybe stay in, you know, housing off campus and maybe they'll travel to these U.S.-based ITF events. So it's unusual for Monday to be out in Sweden, not even his home country playing these events and so that's something to watch I think on whether or not Monday will in fact be returning to Tennessee that's definitely one thing to note all right so the last event on the men's side was the Fayetteville 15k hosted by the University of Arkansas and this was a great event for NCAA champion in 2021 Sam Riffis of the Florida Gators He won his first pro title since 2019 and his first after he turned pro at the end of this past 2022 season. In his run to the championship, he knocked off uh, Jack Pennington-Jones of TCU, who's sort of on eligibility watch. We haven't seen Pennington-Jones play any collegiate matches yet, uh, so we'll have to watch out for him, but that was a good win for Sam Riffis and overall a really good event for him. It hasn't been an awesome pro start, I would say, for Sam Riffis. He's been losing mostly to you know, current or former college guys at the 15 and 25K level. So this should be a really good confidence boost for him heading into the fall. In terms of next week for the men, we kind of flip-flop. Um, we don't have as many men's events this coming week as we do women. But uh, we have two tournaments to note. The first is another ATP challenger, this one in Charleston. And this is loaded with uh, not only former collegians, but also current college guys. In qualifying, we have Andres Martin of Georgia Tech. We have Garrett Johns of Duke, Murphy Cassone of Arizona State, and then Alafia Ayani of Kentucky. And then shout out to the tournament directors at the ATP challenger in Charleston, All of their wildcards went to guys with collegiate ties, Ethan Quinn of Georgia, Cannon Kingsley of Ohio State, and Gianni Ross, formerly with the Virginia men's team, is now based in Charleston beginning his pro career. All three of them received main draw wildcards to this challenger event. And then the last event uh, on the calendar on the professional side for the men is a 15K in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This is hosted by the University of New Mexico. And again, just a great example of you know colleges bringing pro events on campus, letting their players get an opportunity to play these events, earn ATP or WTA points, and oftentimes in an area where there really isn't much pro tennis. So that wraps up the pro results from this past week and also touches on the upcoming pro tournaments that you should keep an eye out for. I'll be continuing to post some of the more notable results on Twitter and then we'll definitely be recapping um, moving forward. So let's transition to the collegiate results Uh, There are two main tournaments that I want to talk about this past week. The first was the Battle in the Bay Classic, hosted by the University of San Francisco, and then the Fall Ranked College Spotlight, hosted by North Carolina State. So first, the Battle in the Bay Classic. Uh, This is a great tournament hosted in San Francisco, and this past weekend they got excellent weather in San Francisco. Uh, Typically, fall is the best Best time to be in San Francisco. Don't come in the summer. Uh, you get kind of 75 and sunny every day this past weekend for uh, for the Battle in the Bay. And it was really dominated by two schools, Georgia and Pepperdine. Both schools had two players in the semifinals. For Pepperdine, you had Janice Chen and Savannah Brodus. And for Georgia, you had Liam Ma and Dasha Vidmanova. And I think a few things about these players... First off, you know, you look at Janice Chen, you look at Savannah Brodus of Pepperdine. These were two players who were playing excellent tennis in the NCAAs in May. Both played really well in their matches during the team competition, and they teamed up together in doubles to make the NCAA semifinals. These are two players that absolutely could have been playing in the um you know, I would say more loaded event of the fall ranked college spotlight in North Carolina, but obviously much easier to stay on the West Coast here for both of them. They ultimately continue their good form from May and actually win the doubles event here at the Battle of the Bay. On the Georgia side, you know, we saw Dasha Vidmanova, you know, Come in January this past season, slot into that three line, move up to two towards the end of the season, you know, really talented player, you know, big serve, you know, over six feet tall, really powerful player. Um, And so she got a really good win in the semifinals over Savannah Brodus. She's taking on Janice Chen on Sunday. You know, and then speaking of Janice Chen, she also advanced to the finals with a win over Leah Ma you know, really good to see Leah Ma back in action. She did not play for Georgia towards the end of the 2022 season, missing both the SEC and NCAA team competitions. So it's really great to see her back in action, playing good tennis, making a deep run here uh, and challenging, you know, such a talented player like Janice Chen. On the men's side in the Battle of the Bay, you know TCU had a really good showing here with Luke Famba and Jake Fernley both advancing to the semifinals. Jake Fernley made the finals where he is facing um, Zverts of Arizona. So a really good run for Zverts as well. All right, so moving on to the final collegiate event that I want to spend some time on, and this is the Fall Ranked College Spotlight hosted by North Carolina State, played at the Cary Tennis Center in Cary, North Carolina. And this is an excellent fall event. To put it into pro terms, it's basically the equivalent of a Masters 1000 before a slam. And in this case... It's even played in the same location, the Cary Tennis Center, as All-Americans will be next week. And what makes this event so great is the field, as I mentioned, is absolutely loaded. So this year they had six of the preseason top 10 present, including all four of the top four players in the preseason rankings in Aaron Cayetano of USC, Sarah Hamner of South Carolina, Daria Freeman of Princeton, and Lane Sleeth of Oklahoma. So the structure of this event is your standard singles draw. However, they also have the compass draws as part of consolation. So you're pretty much guaranteed four matches. And the big thing about the fall is these results stay on your ranking all the way through the end of May, right? These wins that you get in September do impact your ranking for the NCAA individual tournament and and your selection into that event and so if you're able to come away from this event with two to three to even four wins not only will those wins stay on your ranking for the foreseeable future but they're also all excellent wins given the quality of the field you know and last week we talked about you know the takeaway on the women's side being the strength and the depth of North Carolina and the strength of USC's, you know, top three, top four players. And this week was really no different. You know, so looking at the quarterfinals from this event, USC had three players in the quarterfinals. They had Aaron Cayetano, Snow Hahn, and freshman Maddie Sig, and USC had two players, Fiona Crawley and Carson Tangilig, who notably played number four and number five for North Carolina this past season. North Carolina was without number two newcomer in the country, Reese Brantmeyer. They did not have UCLA transfer Abby Forbes, nor Elizabeth Scotty, who played number two for them last season. So this is another great example where you just look at the talent of North Carolina and you say, even these players who are going to play three, four, five, they're still some of the best players in the country. So ultimately, looking at the results of this event, you know, in the semifinals, you had Fiona Crawley of North Carolina, knock out Sidney Ratliff of Ohio State. You had Maddie Sig of USC, knock out Alana Smith of North Carolina State. And before I move on to the final, I think two things to call out for Ratliff and Smith. The first is that, you know, Sidney Ratliff, you know, hails from Columbus. She now plays for Ohio State. And while she did play the NCAA singles draw last year, she comes in this event ranked number 51. And I felt like this was really her national debut in a lot of ways. You know, she earned three really hard fought three set wins against players who are either ranked higher than her or who have you know, played much higher in the lineup. And so this was a great event for Sidney Ratliff, who's looking to make kind of her sophomore jump after a really solid freshman campaign last season. And then for Alana Smith. So it's really great to see her back in action. She played number two for the 2021 NC State squad that made the semifinals. And she was really going to be the de facto number one last year until she got injured. And she's been struggling with injuries essentially since October of last year. This was only her third event back since October of last year. And so it was great to see her, you know, looking healthy, playing good tennis and make a deep run to the semifinals. One other player who didn't make the semifinals, but in a similar vein to Alana Smith, has been out for a significant period of time with injury, was Alexa Noel, who is making her debut as a Miami Hurricane after she transferred from the University of Iowa, and this was also her first few matches back since Fall Nationals last year in November. She too has been out with injury, so great to see her back. After the fall that she had last year, she re- reached number three in the country, so looking forward to see uh, her continued success this fall. So moving on to the final, Fiona Crawley of North Carolina knocked out Maddie Sig of USC 6 6 love in what was an extremely dominant weekend from Fiona Crawley. You know, she only averaged losing four games a match in her five matches and what was so impressive to me about Crawley's performance was not only how dominant she was in these matches, right, taking out Maddie Sig, who'd been undefeated this year, 4-0, knocking out number one player Aaron Cayetano, also of USC, 2 and one But it didn't look like Fiona Crawley played a lot of tennis this summer. She didn't play any ITF events. She didn't play any UTR events. So this was really the first time we had seen her back in competition since her run to the NCAA single semifinal this past May. And pretty clearly, she has not skipped a beat. So for me, there are two big questions coming out of this event. The first is how low will Fiona Crawley play in the North Carolina lineup and how on earth Uh, Will they be making any of those decisions when it comes time in January, just given the talent and depth that they have? And then lastly, and this is one straight out of the Alex Gruskin playbook, is she pound for pound the best tennis player in the world? It's not a definitive no. So I'll let that one sink in. And lastly, obviously a fabulous tournament for Maddie Sig, who continues her impressive form into the collegiate ranks, uh, making it to the final here, dropping just her first collegiate match of her career. And it looks like this might be the last time we see Maddie Sig in the collegiate events for the next few weeks. She is no longer on the all American selections. It appears that she's prioritizing some of the ITF pro events sprinkled in throughout California, but she does have the wild card to the fall nationals in San Diego in November. So I anticipate that we'll see her return there. All right. So that pretty much wraps up this past week's action and kind of gives a primer into what's to come. We'll be back next week with Ethan Moskowski to learn about just how big those UVA rings are. We'll chat more results, and we'll preview the All-American events with pre-qualifying starting next weekend. Make sure to follow No Ad No Problem wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at jtweetstennis and Instagram, No, Ad, no Problem. Thanks, everyone.